0: Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various parts to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Ahmed here from Vital Educators. So today I have another podcast entrepreneur with me and she is just absolutely amazing because I have listened to her podcast and she is just so amazing. Uh, her podcast called Successful Diligence and she is on a mission to inspire, motivate and equip you, which is the listener, to live an authentic life by design. Michelle Perry, thank you very much for coming. How are you doing today?
1: I am so honored to be here and I'm so grateful to share with your audience and thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. It's such, a, such an honor actually for me as well because I get to understand and, and, and I get to talk to you and expand my horizons. Uh, so uh, let's, let's dive deep into Successful Diligence itself. Where did the idea actually come from and why Successful Diligence in the first place? Why is it called Successful Diligence?
1: (laughs) It's a great question, and it's a long story. So in 2005, I actually was given the name, you know, I was, uh, it just popped in my head, Successful Diligence, and I really had no idea what to do with it. And at that time, I had just graduated with my degree in uh, clinical social work, and I was helping people sort of like coaching career, you know, how to do your resume and find a career. And so I sort of started Successful Diligence under that banner. And then when I got into the world of work and I worked with kids and families in foster care, child welfare, did clinical work, abuse prevention, Mm -hmm. and I sort of let Successful Diligence go to the side. (laughs) And I didn't really pay attention to it. And after 20 years of being in the field of social work, I, um, based on my husband's prompting because I was getting sort of burnt out and overwhelmed and really needed a change, I went into the corporate business world um, where I've been the last seven years. And it was in the business world where I started doing life coaching and empowerment coaching and helping people discover what was blocking them from living a life that they actually enjoy living, you know, Mm -hmm. not being miserable when you wake up on a Monday morning. And so I said, you know what, Diligent efforts to achieve success in life is really what successful diligence is about. And so Mm. it was a perfect um, sort of thing to put under the, the banner of successful diligence. And then from the coaching two of the people that I was coaching actually had podcasts. And I was like, well, that's interesting, tell me more. And so they explained what podcasting was and gave me some information. And so in 2019, I started the Successful Diligence podcast. Mm. And it was received so warmly and I was so grateful. And based on the you know, people giving me feedback, they wanted more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I developed courses and a school and we can get more into that later. But that's sort of what the successful diligence where it came from. It's really the, the exploration of your efforts and being diligent to achieve success in life, whatever success mm-hmm. means for you so that you're living a life that you actually want to be living
0: beautiful beautiful it's uh, such a beautiful thing to see that you have an idea and how it comes into fruition and once it comes into fruition how it kind of manifests and flowers or blossoms into different aspects such as you say you started off with an idea of successful diligence you didn't really know what it was but then it went into um a uh, 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 coaching and then from coaching it went into podcast from podcast it went to school so talk to me a bit more about school then what do you do uh, what, what are you why why did you establish a school in the first place? What what made you think that this was some, some this is one thing that I need to focus on essentially uh, in order to kind of grow the name successful diligence?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the people that I was coaching had very similar themes about what we were working on. So conceptually, it was very similar sorts of things that we were working on.
0: Mm-hmm. And what
1: I did was I developed a methodology based on my own experience because I have myself personally gone through a complete life transformation, mindset, habits, vision, who I am Whoa. as a person, complete transformation. And so I used what I went through and learned and developed a methodology and put that into my signature course, which is the Butterfly Transformation based mm-hmm. on the the stages that a butterfly goes through so you know you're a caterpillar and you're working and you're doing things and you're eating and you're kind of not pretty <laughs> you're an insect <laughs> and then you go into the cocoon which is this dark place and a lot of times transformation comes from that dark place where you think you're going to die but you're really planted and as the soil nourishes you and as the butterfly changes and transforms in that cocoon, you become the beautiful butterfly that you always were because the caterpillar is the is the butterfly. It's just in a different mm. stage, a different season. And mm. so when you break out of the cocoon, you're this beautiful butterfly that can fly around the world and share the beauty. And that's the metaphor for sharing your gifts once you have gotten to that place where you are healthy and know what your purpose is. And so that was why the the name Butterfly Transformation for my signature course came from. And it's mm. that whole methodology walking people through that whole it's like a guided transformation for them. So that's the signature course. And that was based on people sort of needing that um, more than I could just serve one person at a time. It was like, okay, Mm. I got to do something to serve more people. And then I also have mini courses, um, which are, I have a gratitude course, gateway to gratitude, because gratitude literally changed my life. It is one of the core concepts that has literally made my life what it is today. And then also I have an empowerment mindset course, um, because mindset is another, you know, core concept that has Mm. led to the success in my life. And then I've got a butterfly impact course, which is all about legacy. Um, and then I've got a course it's free. It's all the interviews that I've done, uh, that are video based. So that's what the school consists of right now.
0: Amazing. Actually, let's roll back to uh, how did this uh, transformative experience actually happen? Um, You talked earlier about the fact that you were burnt out and uh, what caused you to be burnt out in the workspace where you were and uh, what propelled you forward to launch this full on, full through uh, to where it is today?
1: Yeah, so... um... Going backwards to when I was a child, because <laughs> oh, I really wow. started there. I'm, I'm, I'm a biracial person, which means my, mm-hmm. I have, my parents are two different races and my father mm-hmm. left my life when I was about three. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I'm a girl, you know, and you always look for your father figure and that wasn't there. My mother worked a lot. She did the best she could, but I had self-esteem issues, you know, feelings Mm -hmm. of rejection, all of these negative self-esteem emotions that led to very poor choices in life. And so I was Mm -hmm. walking down a path of very negative outcomes Mm -hmm. until my senior year of high school. And january 2nd of 1992 there was a boy in my class who everybody knew him but no one really talked to him no one paid attention to him and on january 2nd what he did was he took a a cup and put cyanide in it stirred it up drank it and literally committed suicide and died in front of us
0: in no way how old was
1: he yes he we were 17 years old at the time (sighs) And
0: Whoa.
1: that experience, so of course they brought the counselors in and they talked to us. And then what what they did is they started to celebrate him. They named the gym after him. They planted trees in his honor. And I got very angry about that because mm. for me, it was like we were paying attention to him after the fact, where if we had paid attention to him before True. and given him some kindness, maybe he would not have chosen to take his life. And so that is what propelled me into social service and, and serving people because I made it my my life mission that I was mm. always gonna pay attention to all of those people that no one pays attention to so that mm. no one will go to that, that, dis- that place of despair. And so I went into social work and when you deal with traumatic experiences from other people and you deal with the horrible things that people do to their children and child welfare, it takes a toll on you after a while because you're hearing all of the negative dark spaces in the world that mm. a lot of people don't really get, get to see because there's an intimacy in clinical work when you're in, in therapy with them and you you bond in such a way with these kids that it really took a toll. And I started to have what they call vicarious traumatization, which means that I started to carry the trauma of my clients. And so wow. that's not a great way to live. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and my husband, um, he said to me one day, he said, you know, Michelle, I love you, but you are not the woman I married. We're, you're going to have to make some changes. And what I realized mm. when I started to pay attention to myself was I was not taking care of myself. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't emotionally taking care of myself. I was working too many hours and I was giving all of my energy and life where it I had nothing left for myself. And so. Mm. I said to myself, Michelle, have we re- have we really done all that we can do in social work? Have we done everything? Have we given all that we can? And I decided, yes, we did. I still wanted to serve, but I I couldn't continue to function in that place because I was unhealthy. My mindset was was not healthy. I wasn't practicing self care. I was you know irritable and angry a lot of the time, and mm-hmm. I was working so much that I wasn't sleeping, and so my body started to you know kind of tell me, Hey, we're going to get sick because you're not taking care of us. <laughs> mm. So, is it, and so based is it, on that, I had to change into the business world.
0: Mm. Is, it, is it, is it, is it, is it the same reason why you don't do one-to-one coaching anymore then? Is it the same reason?
1: I actually do uh one-to-one coaching, but it's on a specific basis. So I screen people very um, carefully and coaching mm-hmm. is very different than therapy because mm-hmm. when you're in therapy, there's an intimate bond that is very different from coaching. So when you're coaching someone, um, what you're doing is you are empowering the other person to ask different questions, find the answer within themselves because it's already there and Mm. you're walking with them on the journey. So you're not doing the work for them and you're not holding that space so much. You're encouraging, you're giving them tools and strategies. And that's what I love about coaching because when my clients, you know, get their life transformation, they're like, oh, Michelle, thank you so much. You did all of this. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. You did all the work. I just was a witness and walked with you and supported Mm. you. And that's what I love about coaching versus the therapy because it doesn't take so much out of me. It actually lights me up and brings me joy. So that's why I do coaching on a limited basis. But the school can really reach more people. And I do mm. a live component as well. So when people go through that signature course, we have you know, meetings together every week. They have access to me you know, via text messaging. Um, they have access in a group. And so it's, it's a very supportive community that sort of builds them up on all sides.
0: Wow. Talk to me about um, therapy and coaching. I always thought that there is a therapeutic element to coaching as well, that you have to console your clients and kind of uh, brush away their negative feelings, the, the cocoon they're in. You have to tell them to persist. How do you separate the therapeutic element from the coaching element? How do you... Uh, keep it business as it were how do you now not take it personally when your client if ever your client does not become successful in a certain endeavour
1: yeah, I you know I find that having the clinical therapeutic skills helps me because I mm. know when I start to go into that, <laughs> that realm and there's a boundary that I have to to maintain, and you know therapy is is um, working with people through past trauma and mm. things that have happened to them in the past that are affecting them and helping mm. them process through that, whereas coaching is present and future based. And so it's more about where are we? Let's identify where we are. Mm-hmm. Then let's figure out where you want to go and how are we going to help you get to where you're going to go? And if things from the past come up, I'm equipped to be able to sort of work through that with you. And if you need that deeper therapeutic work or you know medicine, if it's psychiatric, I'll refer you out. <laughs> but I'm really dealing with the present and the future versus the past.
0: Mm. And do you make that clear to your clients beforehand as well?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, uh, my target is not, you know, people who are actively um, processing trauma, and sometimes they don't even know. So if trauma does come up, or if a past experience sort of is blocking them, I know how to identify that. And I can share Mm. that with them and say, you know, this is a bit more than what coaching can give you. And if you want to pause and go get the therapy that you need and work through this issue and then you can come back once you've resolved that i'm here for you hmm. because there's it's it's two different ways to hold space for people you know therapy is holding space and sometimes you know there's different clinical um Philosophies, you know, there's the cognitive behavioral, which is what I do more of, which is you're working with your mind and your behavior and being conscious and intentional. But then there's also the unconscious work as well that people do. Um, and so there's different modalities. And then there's the psychiatric aspect if you need medicine, like if you're so depressed that you can't get out of bed and, you know, it's really impeding your functioning, you might need some medication. I don't do that. That's a little bit deeper into the therapy than I go. So um, when I recognize that, in a person. And I have a cl- what we call clarity call first. So I sort of screen people that way. So we have a clarity call. They can see if they like me <laughs> and if they like my style cool. and if it's a good fit to work together. And I can pick up on their language and what they're saying and what they're not saying, which is called subtext. And mm-hmm. I can hear if they've got some unresolved issues that may be a little bit deeper than coaching can address.
0: And then you tell them that, look, you have some deeper uh, problems, I suppose, that needs to be resolved. So why don't you go to a therapist and resolve them and then come back to me? Is that what you say to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, if they want, if they, let's say they have, you know, some trauma they haven't resolved, you know, I can refer them out to a therapist and, and I'll say to them, you know, once you're finished with that work, I'm here for you. Come back and then we can pick up the coaching and talk about where you want to go and how to get there. And mm-hmm. I can work with you towards that once you've worked, you know, through that past stuff.
0: Wow. Okay. That, that, that's, that makes sense. And uh, do you actually also refer to them to listen to Successful Diligent podcasts as well? Because I've, I've heard of it. I've, I've listened to a lot of the episodes and they do address the therapeutic element as well. They do address those uh, dysfunctional aspects of life or d- depression or, or all of these things. So do you also refer to them to listen to your podcast as well or no?
1: I love when people listen to the podcast. I never force anyone to do anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know,
1: (laughs) but I do encourage them to listen. And on the podcast, I do touch upon the different concepts because it's just part of what's in my toolbox. Mm -hmm. But I don't go into the depth that the courses go into, you know, for example, or that therapy would go into, for example. But I do give them a little bit of a taste because I feel that. Being a person of integrity, I always want people to know who I am and where I'm coming from so they can decide if I'm the right fit to work with them.
0: Mm, good point. Very good point. And um, with regards to the, the courses, could you kindly walk the listener through each of your courses as well? Just so if anybody wants to uh, purchase the course, uh, what, what should they expect from each course?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the free course and then yeah, kind of build geez. up. The free course is literally just interviews. So you, you sign up and it's free and then you have access immediately to all of the video based interviews that I've done both myself as well as with other people. And mm. so we've got um, Life by Design is one of the interviews in there where I talk about um, sort of Similar to this, but in a little bit more detail about my experiences of how I created my life of, of design, mm. that I the life that mm. I wanted to be living. Um, self-acceptance is another one. Paying attention, which is my core value about really paying attention to other people as well as yourself so that you can really function on a high level. And mm. then um, we've got some interviews on imposter syndrome and how to go from an mm. imposter to feeling confident. And passion and purpose coming through cancer or other um, diseases that sort of affect the physical body, not just the mental body. So that's the interview course. Makes sense. And then I've got a mini course called Gateway to Gratitude. Mm -hmm. And it's really about understanding, number one, what gratitude is. And then number two how to implement gratitude because everyone tells you oh be grateful you're supposed to be grateful implement (laughs) gratitude but no one tells you how to do that and Mm. you know sometimes people don't know like okay i'll be grateful but all right what does that mean and so i really Mm. talk about what it is being mindful how to be focused i give um some free downloads like a meditation audio um, and then there's some other, you know, free, free downloads in there um, that they can read and a workbook that they can actually work through to implement nice. gratitude on a daily basis.
0: Nice. Wow. And
1: gratitude really, it literally changed my life. When you can reframe a situation and understand that there's purpose in it and that it, it it's working for your good, it changes how you experience that situation and life in general. So I really, Mm. I encourage people to really dive into gratitude because it's life changing.
0: I have two questions that I was gonna ask you. First question is, so before we move on to uh, number three, course number three and four, I just want to understand how do you determine your core values? What kind of steps do you need to take in order to determine your core, deep down your values? And um, before you even start manifesting and shaping your life, a lot of people, including myself, I emphasize on determining your values as quickly as possible. Now, uh, somebody who's going through a journey of self-discovery and personal development and self-growth It's very hard for somebody to sit down and understand what kind of values they stand by. So, like you say, you stand by gratitude. How do you determine that? How did you determine that focus, gratitude? These are your main values. And for example, um, I don't know, patience isn't like. How do you know that?
1: Yeah, and on my website, my I put what my values are: empowerment, collaboration, truth, integrity, and. So part of my my signature course, the first module, the first thing we do, and I'll give you a little sneak peek,
0: <laughs>
1: the first way to identify that, and the the whole first module is called identification, is that you have to understand what you're thinking. And a lot of people are not conscious about what their mind is actually doing and saying. And you have to tap into what you're thinking what is thinking because thinking is really asking questions and so you've got to identify what questions are your is your brain asking yourself how Mm. are you answering those questions how is your brain and your mind filtering the situations and experiences that you're having and Mm. understanding that you can take control of that so once you know where your mind is Everything else follows. And so mm. in in the identification course, one of the tools that I share is journaling. And that's something that I used personally. And people can do video journaling now. They can do, you know, talking on their phone into their notes, um, you know, app, or they can actually do the writing of the journaling. But what journaling does is, and there's different types of journaling, and I go into that in detail. Mm. But one of the types, it allows you to put on paper or put in audio or put in video so you can look back with an objective uh, eye, it allows you to see what you, what's really inside of you because a lot of Mm. people don't know what's inside of them. And once you understand what's inside of you, okay, now we've got a starting point. Now we can say, okay, this is where I am. Do I want to keep this because it's serving me? Or is this something that I need to replace and dismiss and put something else in its place that's going to serve me? So there's certain, I call them narratives, so certain stories that we tell ourselves that are just mm. not serving us. They're not, and sometimes they're not even true. I used to tell myself that I was not smart. I have an mm. Ivy League degree. I'm very smart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I had to unlearn that story that I had told myself for so many years, but I didn't know I was telling myself that story mm. until I was aware and conscious about what was going on in my mind. And so that's where you develop the eye and the insight into what matters to you because you react to your thoughts and you identify what you're feeling. You don't always have to um, act upon your feelings. They're identifiers. Mm -hmm. So if I'm becoming angry about something, that's telling me that I need to explore more about what is going on and why I'm reacting that way. And that tells me about where my core values are so for example Mm. going back to that boy who propelled me into social work who took his life i was so angry by the good things we were doing for him after he after he took his life and i Mm. couldn't understand why i was so angry and i had to process that it took me years and understand i was angry because we could have possibly, I can't, I don't know for sure, but we could have mm. possibly prevented him from taking his life by Absolutely. giving him kindness and, and attention. And that was why I was angry. So what, what I recognized was a core value was giving people attention is a core value because mm. it, it's putting importance and priority on other people that they matter. You know, mm. People matter. <laughs> We're not of just course. here walking the earth. We matter. And everybody has something inside of them to give the world. Everybody just doesn't tap into that. And so I recognize that core value because I went through the emotion, identified what I was feeling, then figured out why am I feeling this, identified what was in my mind, why I was thinking this way. And that sort of revealed to me what my core value is. It's Mm. almost like peeling an onion. You know, you get the layers off and then you get to the core and that's what your core value is.
0: Yeah. I'm still in the process of doing that, believe it or not. But the type of journaling that I do involves any ideas that come into my head. uh, In case I forget, I just jot them down. I don't really think through what, uh, because, uh, well, I I read somewhere that on average, we get 50,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And I was like, Wow, that's a lot of thoughts. So how, <laughs> yes. how how the hell am I supposed to channel those to get to my core values? How do I do that?
1: Here's, here's the thing: every thought that comes into your mind, you don't have to accept it, and you don't mm. have to believe it, because some mm. thoughts are not yours. They're just sort of, if you think about energy, they're they're sort of like floating in the air, right? Mm. And so I, sometimes I'll have a thought, and I'm like, "Where did that come from? That's not even like me. I don't even think like that." And I'm like, "All right, well, we're gonna dismiss that thought. I'm, I'm moving on." <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you, once you recognize who you are, you can sort of become better at that. But mm. the type of journaling that you're talking about is that free flow, sort of like that brain yeah. dump where you're just that's you what know, you, dumping that, out what's in what my I brain. Do. Yep. And that's a great start for journaling because literally <laughs> just getting it out of your brain onto paper or audio or video, and then you can start to sift through it with an objective eye and you will be able to identify the themes and the patterns of what concepts come up a lot. Because mm. I bet you if you look That's back in point. your journal and you read, you're going to see patterns, you're going to see themes, you're going to see concepts that continually come up and then you can start to analyze them and say, "Wow, I have a lot of thoughts about, you know, looking at the world from a negative viewpoint. Why is that?" Mm. And then you can start to explore and ask yourself different questions and that will start to unlayer to get to those core values.
0: That's beautiful. And is that what led you to determine your five core values of empowerment, collaboration, compassion, truth and integrity?
1: Yes, and I started after in 1992 after after that boy took his life mm-hmm. which it literally changed my life. It was traumatic, but it was I'm so grateful that that happened because it it led me to reveal myself to myself. But it took me like 4 years to work through that mm-hmm. and I journaled the brainstorming technique. I also began to write short stories and I've written wow. like a couple short stories about the incident and about death and Looking back and reading that was where I discovered this is what matters to me. This is mm. what's important. This is what mm. I need to focus on and pay attention to in life because this is my core value.
0: Of course. And then um, you talk a lot about gratitude. Why isn't gratitude is one of those values? Why isn't it, isn't it there?
1: Gratitude is a way of life for me. <laughs> wow. So it, it's almost like a default... Um, If you think about like an operating system, it's my default operating system. Everything (laughs) now goes through a filter of gratitude. And Mm. even when I'm experiencing something that's hard, like in 2015, I had a supervisor that was not a good fit. It was Mm. a very rough, dark year (laughs) for me. And I did a lot of work on myself. And what came out of that is that. I'm grateful that that dark place happened because I came out stronger, better, with more knowledge about myself. And so I can reframe anything into a positive. I just took a, a suicide and reframed it to a positive, if you if you mm. notice that. I'm grateful that it happened because, not that he lost his life, of course, of course, but I'm grateful that I was a witness and and happened to be there because that led me to the life I live now, which I love and I enjoy and I am so passionate about. And if that had not happened, I might not be who I am today. If my father didn't leave my life when I was three and I didn't feel all of those feelings of rejection and Mm. low self-esteem, I wouldn't understand and be empathic to someone else who feels the same way. So I couldn't give them the the type of support that
0: I can give because I've been there. (laughs) Mm. You've seen that. You experienced it. You felt mm-hmm. it. Wow. Um, so, uh, uh- you have obviously um, talked about this incident being a life-changing factor for you and making you the person that you are today. Uh, Talk to me about mental health, how important it is. And even in the UK, for example, sorry, if I was to give you a statistic, uh, two and a half million men just alone in the UK suffer from mental health problems and they don't actually vocalize them because um, I don't know what what the perception of uh, uh, men are in America, but they are meant to be strong and they're meant to you know not cry and they're not meant to share those perspectives with other people and 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 show themselves as weak human beings essentially that's what that's how men uh, perceive themselves to be so how do you encourage men because i feel like you're right about preventing the suicide but had he vocalized that he was that kid was on that path had he communicated that with someone it would be even better it would be even better for us to identify and stop him because before that everybody else thought oh it's just a who doesn't like to talk to anybody else? He's just an introvert. So how do we how do we distinguish between the two? How do we know for a fact that he's got mental health issues?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question. And you never really know until someone shares with you because you don't exactly. know what's going on inside of someone. Mm-hmm. And I will say about men, and I'm I'm very tuned into this as well. I think it's both, and I'm not familiar with the UK, but just from what you shared, and in America, men and mental health are not. Usually in the same sentence, which mm. is not right from my perspective, of course. because the mental health of men has been so stigmatized and suppressed because of those um, those foundational gender roles, you know,
0: mm.
1: and a lot of men are brought up with the concept and the narrative and the story that to be a man equals no emotion, you work really hard and provide, and you're strong. Not every man is like that. There's creative men who are much more sensitive and tuned into their emotions. That doesn't mean they're weak. That just means that they have a higher level of of empathy and sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a reframe. It's all about how you filter a situation and a concept. And that's what a narrative is and the story you tell yourself. And so I think that um, that needs to change, you know, because a lot of times it takes men experiencing a devastating situation or a situation that has gone so far down the mental health hole that mm. the only thing that you know their cry for help is behavior based which is sometimes seen in the justice the you know the justice system because a lot of people if you look at drug use you look at crime they've got mental health issues that were not mm. addressed because nobody was paying attention and True. again that goes back to my core value about paying attention if you pay attention to what a man is saying what their behavior is telling you what they're not saying, it will clue you into the status of where they are mentally. And oftentimes you can identify a mental health issue and begin to put seeds in there, begin to encourage them to reframe their narrative, to sort of change their lens, put on a different type of glasses to look at a situation. And men are so, encouraged and thankful when there's someone that actually can hear their their voiceless cry. because mm. I think men cry without sound and a lot of people don't pay attention to it and they don't they don't pick it up. but there are people that do and that's what's encouraging for me. I mean I pick it up and I I can't tell you the the number of men that I've coached that have given such um, gratitude to me just for even paying attention and being able to pick that up because mm. it's missed by so many until it gets so far down that it either becomes criminal or you know drug use or just so bad that they have to be institutionalized like it's 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 mm. something that I think we have a lot of work to do globally I think um, because men men are so foundational to our world you know men and women are our partners and men of and course. women work together and we're supposed to support each other and we're supposed to be there for each other and be on the same team, <laughs> you know.
0: You're right. And you're when right.
1: you're on a team, if you think, even if you think about sports, when you're on a team, if you've got someone who maybe, you know, is recovering from an injury so they're not playing at 100% functionality, your teammates mm. pick up the slack, right? <laughs> and so if you've got uh, someone that's going through a hard time and just mentally can't function at their top game, well, that's when your, your teammates kick in. And can support cool. you and help you through that time until you can get back to your 100% functioning. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I think men there's such a stigma on mental health with men that if we reframe it and and present it to them as like, well, just think about the physical part, and then they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, and it sort of helps them to destigmatize the mental health part of it.
0: Hmm. And so, how do you encourage and, uh, and not everybody? i'm sure who's listening to this would um would reach out to you how do you encourage that person to either reach out to you or to somebody who they can trust about their mental health problem or even recognize i think a lot of men and i'll probably probably include myself in this as well sometimes i think um maybe uh i don't know uh sometimes i actually ask myself do i actually have mental health problems do i feel depressed do i like i ask these i actively ask myself these questions and most of the times i like i like to think that i'm quite mentally sound (laughs) i hope I am anyway but but uh but um, a lot of people don't ask these questions to themselves a lot of people a lot of men uh, kind of get caught in the rut of life and, uh, and 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 are busy for providing for their families or or worrying about their nine- to five basically and uh, and and sleeping I guess and and working constantly how do you how do you what kind of things would you say to them to actually find some time for themselves and kind of uh, find out whether they actually have these problems? What kind of indications that you think are um, are, are are paramount for them to realize that, OK, this is something that I, I need to share with somebody before it kind of spirals out of control?
1: Yeah. And, and what's funny is that a lot of people self-diagnose themselves. <laughs> They'll say, "Oh, exactly. I'm depressed." No, you're not depressed, you're sad and you're having a <laughs> moment of depression maybe. Mm. But there are clinical guidelines for actually diagnosing mental health issues. And so even anxiety, a lot of people I know, "Oh, I'm I'm I have anxiety." No, you just worry a lot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the the key is when it's chronic, it's persistent, mm. you can't sort of you can't get out of it and it interferes with your daily functioning. And that's really the key. Mm. If it's interfering with your relationships on a daily basis, if it's interfering with your work on a daily basis, if it's interfering with you being able to take care of yourself, <laughs> my watch <laughs> decided to, uh, to answer the question too. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but when it starts to interfere with your life, your physical health, because sometimes when we're mentally not healthy, our bodies carry that unhealthy energy and will manifest. So when I was burning out in in social work, I actually developed an autoimmune condition because my body Mm. was like, we're done. (laughs) You're not recognizing (laughs) time and we're going to tell you, you're going to stop. And then once I rebalanced, exactly, exactly, I'm, I'm done. And once I rebalanced, guess what? Those symptoms went away. Wow! And so you know, when it interferes with your health, your physical health, when it interferes mm. with your daily functioning, when it interferes with your relationships to a point that they become either unhealthy, abusive or neglectful, mm. that's when you can start to say, maybe I've got a problem. Maybe I need to go talk to someone who's qualified to diagnose. So you don't mm. go to a coach when you're at that point, you go to a therapist <laughs> or a clinician. Um, because a clinician can diagnose you, a psychiatrist can give you medication, mm. um, but a count- and you can even start with a counselor because a counselor is trained to recognize some of the issues and they know if it's going above their you know, expertise and their specialty, they'll refer you to a therapist or a psychiatrist. But it's really about paying attention. And I go I always go back to paying attention because mm. you've got to pay attention to your life and to yourself. And if you have thoughts that are intrusive that you can't get rid of and shut off. If that is interfering with your sleep, if it's interfering with taking care of yourself, if it's interfering Mm. with your work, if it's interfering with your relationships where things are just never getting better, that's a a time when you should say, maybe I need to talk with someone
0: fascinating wow and uh, earlier you mentioned about the cocoon phase which is your mastery uh, your highest level course that you have in your school um the question that i have on that i remembered is that how do you know that you're in a cocoon phase how do you know that uh, how long will you be in that phase for and after that it's a butterfly phase that you'll you'll enter is there a way to know are there indications are there um uh, uh, what's the word? Cues uh, that you can you can uh, see to understand that okay, I have to grind now. I have to really persist rather than just give up and move on with my life.
1: Yeah, and you know the cocoon phase is an interesting one because a lot of people go through it, but they don't know they go through it. So those times mm. of life where you feel like what is going on? Nothing's going right. I feel off. <laughs> I, this is not what I want. I'm not happy with my life. You know all of those sorts of um, emotions come up, and it's the and I liken it also to not only the butterfly um, cocoon metaphor, but also of mm. being planted. So mm. you know you're buried in dark soil, and nothing is there's no light, there's no growth. You know everything mm. is just dark around you. You're you're mm. you don't understand what's going on. Why is why are these things happening to me? What is going on? Um, that's a clue. That it might be time to investigate what's going on inside of you because mm. it's a it's an outside in indicator that maybe we need to work on some things so that we can get to the place where we can break out. Because mm. a lot of times our spirits and our minds and our conscious our unconsciousness will tell us what we're needing. And we don't always listen. We push the snooze button too often when the mm. alarm goes off. True. And When we get to that uncomfortable place in life, that dissatisfied place in life, Hmm. that's a clue that you're in the cocoon phase and there's work to be done to identify, okay, if this isn't working, if this is not what I want, what do I want?
0: Hmm. And
1: then once you figure out what you do want, and even if you don't know completely, you know, I, I don't want this. It'll give you a clue into what you need to work on to figure that out. And then once mm. you figure that out, you can start to build your skills. You can start to build a new mindset. You can start to incorporate gratitude. You can start to think about what is my purpose? What am I passionate about? What mm. gives me joy and light? You know, what are things that I enjoy doing? What are things that I don't enjoy doing? Mm. Um, And then that will start to build strength. And what you're doing in the cocoon phase is you're rebuilding yourself. You're Mm. developing a vision. You're developing a mission. You're developing the skill set and the strategies and the tools to be able to be strong enough in that private place where you're buried. And then you start to grow stronger and stronger. And that's when you can break out. And when you break out, you don't even realize you've become this beautiful butterfly or this beautiful flower, but you Mm. are because you've gained all of that in that dark time.
0: Wow. Wow. And, uh, um, so uh, uh, is there any specific cues in the cocoon phase that you can look out for to realize that after this, you will become a butterfly? Is it a feeling?
1: So I think it's mental and emotional. Um, I, Mm. I, I, think that you key into what your thoughts are and you recognize that your thoughts are changing Mm. And key into what you're feeling. So things that used to make you happy, don't make you happy Mm. anymore. Mm. Things that bring you joy frustrate you now. Um, You know, it could be your job, it could be relationships, it could just be um, you feel like your life is on autopilot. (laughs) You Mm. know, you're just... Everything, I get up, I go to work, I come home, I make dinner, you know, everything is the same. This is boring. I'm not satisfied. Mm. That's a clue that you're in that cocoon
0: phase. So are you saying that it, it is it entirely possible that you can go from a butterfly back to a cocoon as well then? You know, I would
1: argue yes, because I think that there's different levels of dimension. So, you know, people say, oh, I'm striving for perfection. I don't believe that perfection exists. exists. I think that perfection yeah. is an illusion. I think mm. it's a, it's an illusion because we're never going to reach it. What we strive for is excellence. And mm. as human beings, we are incredible. I mean, we are fascinating and we do not tap into the, the capacity that we have inside of us. And so I think once you master a certain level in life, you inevitably have to go to another level, another dimension, and that requires change. It requires another transformation. And so mm-hmm. you can go back into the cocoon phase if you are sort of leveling up or going to another dimension in life
0: wow okay so okay if i was to ask you michelle are you in a butterfly phase and how how does it so for those of who are listening who might not be in the butterfly phase what what's the difference how does it feel to be in the butterfly phase versus a cocoon phase or even a caterpillar phase
1: when you're a butterfly you're very clear about your purpose hmm. you're very focused on legacy building so giving to the world the gift that is inside of you and that could be mm. you're a mathematician and your gift to the world is some nobel prize worthy project you know that could mm. be your gift to the world or you can be an einstein and develop you know invent something amazing mm. but you're tuned into that giving part of yourself and you're tuned into your mission and your purpose and you're focused
0: mm. and
1: the butterfly phase is where you are productive and you mm. are you tap into that high level of yourself of efficiency produ- productivity joy light, like mm. you are just in, in the that, zone yes in the zone exactly exactly
0: mm. I like it. You're in, a, in that flow state, as uh, Stephen Covey calls it in Seven Habits of, uh, or, or actually Four Disciplines of Execution, actually. Wow, this is really cool. Uh, so uh, uh, but uh, so what about those people? So I, I include myself into this, who are constantly distracted. They are on a mission, but they're constantly distracted by a lot of other things in life. What kind of phase are they in? And I consider myself to be in that as well, because I get a message or an email, I get distracted and I start working on that. And then I realize, oh my God, I was doing this. And then I go back to that and then you know i mean i i can't achieve that zone phase i really enjoy it believe it or not whenever i'm in it i'm like wow this is, it feels amazing but um yeah. it really happens in my life so what kind of a phase am i in am i going from a cocoon to a some in, in the middle phase to a butterfly
1: no, you're actually still a butterfly. what oh. What's going on for you? <laughs> from just from what you told me, and I don't know I don't know everything, but of it course. just sounds like you need to put some structure, some consistency, mm. some discipline. Um, I know for myself, this year, I'm working on consistency and discipline.
0: Mm. And
1: part of that is, because I have so many projects going on, um there's so much happening exactly. that I have to prioritize what I call self-care to me is total care of self, right? Mm. And part of that, is protecting your time. And so I have to protect the time for me to be in what I call my quiet time so that Mm. I can understand where my mind is and get it to the place that I want it to be Mm. to make sure that I am functioning inside the way that I need to be so that I can give my best version of myself to the world. Mm. And then I have to time block for certain activities. So I have to time block for the podcast. I have to time block for sales and marketing. I have to time Mm. block for networking. I have to time block for different things. And so a calendar (laughs) that I discipline myself to stick to, though, because sometimes we give ourselves excuses, you know, like, oh, well, just for today, I can do this and switch that out. But no, you have to have the discipline to stick to the consistency that you've set up for yourself. Mm. Knowing that that's going to bring your productivity and the more you practice positive habits, you become more efficient and so you Mm. can get more done in less time. Mm. So when you're distracted by a whole bunch of shiny things or oh, oh, this is going on and that's going on, that just says you need a little bit more structure and maybe Mm. discipline um, so that you can really get back into the zone in the different time blocks that you have.
0: Hmm. Talk to me about building new habits that you were talking about. What kind of strategies that you have in place in your life to make sure that you uh, kind of structure your day well and you don't waste any time, uh, any lull moments you have, you can eradicate them or notify them straight away. That oh my God, this is distracting me from my work. I'm not going to let this become um, a phase as it were and, and and become like a time-wasting session. How do you do that? How do you How do you achieve that highest level of productivity
1: yeah and and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a curveball here because Please. sometimes procrastination or avoiding doing something mm. is an indicator that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Hmm. So sometimes when I'm when I'm distracted and I can't get myself back on focus, or if I'm procrastinating, you know, I know I have to do this, but I I just procrastinate and put it off and put it to the bottom of my list.
0: Mm. That
1: is an indicator that I don't really want to do that, (laughs) Mm. you know? And so if it's something that I have to do, like if I'm, if I have a job and I, you know, I just can't get away from it, I'll do that first to get it out of the way. And Mm. that way the rest of my day will be enjoyable. But if it's something that is not mandated or required, I may just take that off the list because I'm telling myself I don't want to do that. And why would I force myself to do something I don't want to do?
0: Uh, right probably so why. That, that's one right? thing about procrastination. <laughs> okay yeah i was gonna uh, before you move on i just wanted to uh, go on to this um, there are a lot of things in life that you have to do that you may not want to do but they are good for your business for examples so for example uh you setting up these four courses you might stop and say in in between and say well I maybe I don't want to do a third course maybe i'll just want to do the fourth one not the third one or why do I need to do the free interviews uh, you know what I mean so um how do you find uh, how do you determine that this is important for my business or for my life or for my growth or the growth of my business and this isn't for example you might sit down and say marketing isn't important because my the product that i'm giving is so valuable people will come to me myself so there's so many things that you can say to yourself to to not do the things that you want to do or you sorry not do the things that you don't want to do but you still have to do them in a way if you know what i mean
1: Yes. And, and the way you determine that is I have to market because, I, yes, I can put something out in the world, but if nobody knows about it, no one's going to buy it mm, exactly. <laughs> or no one's going to engage in it. And so that is something like that I, I don't like it, to be honest. Mm. I'm not a salesy person, but it's something I know I have to do. Right. And mm. so I, that's when you implement discipline and that's when it brings you back to your habits. And Um, you know, part of the, so the structure of the, the butterfly transformation course is we do the identification, the mindset, and then you start to get into your routines. Understand, Mm. you have to identify what do I do on a daily basis? What am I consistently doing? And then do I need to change that? Do I need to implement new habits? Do I need to change habits? But first you have to know what your habits are.
0: Mm. And so
1: once you identify that, then you can start to understand when you have something that you know you have to do, there's no getting out of it implement discipline, but also put a reward to it. So I know Mm. that if I have to do, let's say my marketing, right, I'm going to do that first because I don't want to do it. I know I have to, but I don't like it. I don't want to do it. So I'm going to do that first. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to attach a reward to it. So after I do my marketing, that's when I get to go have my morning coffee, which I love. Mm. (laughs) So I reward myself. And what that does to our brains is it literally creates a neural pathway for a reward associated with a behavior. Mm. And so now marketing behavior, that task is associated with my in my brain with a reward, which is my coffee, which makes me feel great. So there's release of serotonin, uh. you know, horm- positive hormones. And so now it's not as hard. Now, that takes practice. You have to use discipline to start doing that every day. But Mm -hmm. once you do it consistently, it's almost like your brain puts a switch on because that neural pathway is now so strong that marketing reward, marketing reward. Oh, let's get the marketing over with quick so I can get the reward. And that's how you start to develop new habits.
0: Interesting. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So you're saying you need to create a reward pathway. So the things that you don't want to do, you associate a reward, something that you do enjoy. Um, that you can do after you've finished that task. And that will allow you to kind of reinforce that habit over and over again, which will eventually become a part of your system. So for example, whenever you're going to upload a new podcast automatically from say four or five weeks of practice of doing this, you'll just automatically know that now I have to market that podcast over and over again. Um, And then that will, ah, okay. That is, that is And and let me, let
1: me, let me put this out there to you. Every behavior Every mm. single behavior, positive behavior, negative behavior, every single behavior has a consequence mm. and you can determine if that consequence is positive or negative.
0: Mm. True. True. Mm. That's very deep. I like it. <laughs> uh, yes. um, tell me something else. Uh, so we, you talked about your free course. You talked about your gateway to gratitude. You talked about your last course, which is the butterfly course, of course, Um. T- t- there's a course in between that uh, you mentioned that uh, you you did not talk about. I still would like to know which one that is. Course yes, number three. Yes, it's called
1: The Empowerment Mindset
0: empowerment mindset love it
1: yes the empowerment mindset and that is all about and it's it's sort of like an intro to mindset course because i i go very deep into mindset in the butterfly course Mm -hmm. um but it's sort of what is a mindset what is empowerment so it's defining what those what those are Mm -hmm. and it goes into what beliefs are and how do beliefs impact your mindset and then It gives you an opportunity for a clarity call with me. And then I give you actually a coupon for the other courses. Um, (laughs) But it's all about sort of the, it's sort of like an intro to mindset course with a a definition of empowerment and beliefs, Mm. how those interact with your mindset.
0: Mm. And are you planning on adding more courses to the school or is that it, is this is your main Main four courses that you'd, you'd you just want to kind of work on and probably improve and uh, and include more stuff in it, or do you want to, or you you have a plan to create even a uh like a I don't know a mastermind course possibly, which is like the fifth course possibly I don't know. Do you have something well, like have that my, or? Do you I know? do
1: have a um, it's called the Butterfly Impact, which is all about legacy. It's called um, understanding your influence and your impact. So nice. I have. that that other butterfly course. But what I'm developing, um, it's so funny that you ask, is I'm developing mm. the the butterfly develop the butterfly development program. And so what that is, it's going to include all of the butterfly courses. Well mm. uh, all of the courses to be honest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but it also includes um additional seminars and trainings that um sort of complement all of the the transformation and all of the things that that you it's a lot because it's a lot. It's very of dimensional. Course. It's a lot to go through, and sometimes different. When you're at a certain season in life, you'll need one aspect more than the other, and mm. then you sort of graduate to the next, you know, level and dimension we were talking about. And so mm. there's you might graduate from the mindset, and then now you need the gratitude portion, and then you need the routine portion, but you don't need the of vision course. portion of that. But now you need, you know, so you can go back and <laughs> forth. Um, But you also need support and community. And so the development program is going to be ongoing. It's like a membership um, type of model where you have a lot more access to me. So, you know, I do, you know, weekly calls and seminars and trainings, bringing Mm. in other experts who have expertise in areas that I might not. You know, there's a lot of um, like biochemistry and Mm. neurological um, you know, mind brain connection things that I'm I'm aware of and I have knowledge, but it's not my specialty. So I want to bring that in so that my my, you know, clients and, and people that I work with can have access to that.
0: Mm. And so that's
1: coming in the development program, which is probably going to launch um, either the end of this year or the beginning of next year.
0: Love it. Love it. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And uh, how do people access these courses and how do they reach out to you, Michelle?
1: Yeah. So the best way to reach me is to go to SuccessfulDiligence.com and there's links to the podcast. There's links to the school. Um, there's a link to schedule a clarity call with me. So all of the things can be accessed through SuccessfulDiligence.com. I'm also on Facebook. Um, if you search Michelle Perry, Successful Diligence, you'll find the page and there's links on there as well. Um So those are the best ways to find me.
0: Awesome. I'll put all of that in the description for those of you guys who are listening right now, driving a car and wondering, oh my God, I'm going to lose this information. It's already in the description. So just access that. One last question before I let you go is there's a lot of women who would love for for themselves to kind of have your way of speaking and your confidence and your power and your abilities. How do you get to a level of where you were? Um, I, I know it's, it's a silly question because th- for the past hour, that's all you've been talking about. But in just <laughs> in few sentences, how do you inspire women like that to follow in your footsteps, essentially? What kind, of, what kind of key core things that they need to focus on or they should focus on to make sure they become the next Michelle?
1: Well, I don't think anyone can become the next Michelle because we're all unique and we all have our unique person, personhood. Um, but I do believe that one of the things that has empowered me in addition to the transformation, the mindset, all the things we've been talking about for the last hour is Mm -hmm. falling in love with myself. I didn't mm. always love myself. I didn't always like myself. <laughs> mm. And I always say this on my podcast. You cannot give what you don't have. Mm. And you can't have That's something true. if you don't own it. And you can't own it unless you've experienced it. So I can't love someone else until I love myself first. And then I can give away love. So because, I can, because I've experienced love for myself, I have that love to give because I own it. It's like if mm. I can't give you a car if I don't own the car, right? So I have <laughs> to own that <laughs> to be able to give it. And for me, I had to fall in love with myself, flaws and all, because I mm. am very flawed. I'm very in tune with the things that I need to work on. I'm mm. very in tune with what, the, what my deficiencies are. And you know what? I love all of it because all of it makes me who I am. And that mm. was what gave me the confidence To be empowered to implement self-care, to go on that journey of transformation, it really stemmed from, I have to like myself, I have to love myself, and that was really Mm -hmm. where it started.
0: Mm. And you know what? You're so right. I mean, um, I, I see um, in, in, in a lot of this uh, space, a millennial space where I'm at uh, online on social media, a lot of women who are my age or even men as well. Uh, they say, oh, nobody loves me uh, or uh, why don't I deserve love? And uh, I don't have a boyfriend or I don't have a girlfriend or any any of these things. And it always and literally what you just said comes to mind straight away to me as well. Like if you don't love yourself, you are incapable. Capable of providing that love for another person so you and, and and i see a lot of people who come out of a breakup they immediately want to jump into another relationship as well i know i'm talking completely off topic here but no it's actually you on is, top it's on topic because you have to heal and get to know who you are you can't absolutely. love
1: yourself if you don't know who you are and you can't absolutely. know who you are unless you do to work and mm. and you're exactly right When you come out of a breakup, you have to heal because Mm. when you're in a relationship, there's a a soul tie, there's a connection, there's an intimacy. And when that's broken, it's devastating. Mm. You know, you have to go through the grief process. You have to Mm -hmm. give yourself that time and then get to know who you are now because you're a different person after that relationship, after that grief, after that experience. And so once you know who you are, then you can like yourself, love yourself, and then you can give that away.
0: Mm. but uh, this is what i'm saying uh this is what happens but uh, what i've really seen is that people actually don't go through that process at all and they fall into this aspect of desperation where they're like okay i have to get back on uh, on onto the onto the track straight away and i'm not gonna let my uh, uh, let myself go into that phase where i'm recovering from uh my past and learning from my mistakes as well because most people don't even acknowledge the mistake in the first place so you're you're absolutely right self-love and self-care that's is a, extremely important sorry yeah and, and that's
1: an indicator that you're going into the cocoon phase because you need to do the work
0: mm. Mm, exactly and people avoid the cocoon phase you're absolutely because it hurts it genuinely it's is hard painful.
1: it's messy it's scary it's difficult it's challenging mm. like it's messy it hurts um you have to really be present with emotions that are not nice <laughs> You have to face things about yourself that are not nice. You have to tell the truth. And that's, I think, part of what you're talking about is people don't tell the truth. They want to put a nice bow on it. But you cannot build from a foundation that is not truthful. You have to be Mm. honest. You have to be truthful. Otherwise, you're building on sand and it's going to just wash away.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Michelle, you are full of wisdom. I am so honored to have you on the podcast. And I am so um, glad that I got to speak to you and understand your perspectives. And, and uh, you have taught me so much. Honestly, my book, uh, I don't, obviously, you can't see me. It's filled with your notes. And I really appreciate you coming on. And I hope all the world success comes to you. And you become the best at what you do in the whole world. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, I- take
1: you, Dad. I, I want to tell you i'm so honored that that you gave me this opportunity and i don't i believe that things don't happen by accident so i'm so of grateful course. to have the opportunity to, to be on here and to share and you have just given me such gratitude that i added value even to one person because that's what it's 100%. about for me and so i thank you thank you for letting me share
0: oh that's you're so kind always a pleasure thank you so much have a lovely day all right take care
1: you as well. Thank you.
0: This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Sakin. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.